there. Welcome to Fan Bites. You love to see it. A podcast styled after a delightful neighborhood video store where a pair of incredibly charismatic co-hosts and occasional guests rewatch old-ish movies and give it fresh takes. But like in a fun way because we're not like every movie rewatch podcast. We're a cool movie rewatch podcast. Every month we pick a theme. Every week, we watch a movie, and then we decide where it belongs in our store. If it's got enough grit and thigh grip to make its way up the mile-high pole leading up to our esteemed staff pick shelf, if it's got just enough charm to earn itself an oversized designer bag, a bandage dress, and a spot on our still pretty sexy middle aisle, or if... Much like poofy ponytails and the music of Florida, it simply does not belong outside of the 2010s and shall be doomed to a lifetime in the confines of our dreaded dumpster, along with its sprawling population of insects, rodents, and dudes who think mocking vegans is a personality trait. Working the counter today, we have yours truly, Fernanda, denim bikinis that get more comfortable when wet, especially with saltwater praches, and my fellow tiny dog in a handbag, Danielle. Every girl has muscles for this riondo. Welcome, Danielle. Hi. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. This is going to be a good one today. This is going to be a good one. I, I can feel it. I will, <laughs> I will let everybody know, though, this movie... Is Fernanda Catnip. But we'll get yeah! into it. <laughs> we'll get into it. First, an introduction to our, our theme this month, because we are kicking off a new theme. We are celebrating award season by doing the millennial thing and being salty about it while simultaneously upholding it by giving it the attention it needs to survive. Over the next few weeks, we're going to watch movies featuring stars that we the actual smart people whose opinions are objectively good and valid believe have been snubbed by the overbearing and slightly intoxicated but glamorous in a decadent kind of way mother of all mainstream awards, the Oscars. We shall then contemplate, deliberate, and inevitably come to the conclusion that we are correct and the Oscars are wrong because this is our show and we get to be right about stuff. (laughs) The good news is that, hey, you get to be right with us. All you need to do is agree, which shouldn't be difficult because, again, we are objectively right. (laughs) So wipe those existentially dreary eyes, crack that prematurely damaged smartphone neck, and get ready to flex those misplaced outrage muscles in a month that shall now be referred to as Oscars. I don't know her. Even though we obviously know her, we're just acting cool about it. And we're kicking things off with a pretty open and shut case of unforgivable snubbing. A movie that featured a perfect performance by the one and only Jennifer Lopez, who should have been given not only an Oscar, but also like a Nobel Prize or something, if Nobel Prizes were given for hotness, which they should. Brace your silver pleasers as we enter the glittery world of 2019's Hustlers. I just want to take care of my grandma, maybe go shopping every once in a while. When I was a kid, I always wanted to work with animals. <laughs> I was close. Woo! She's a little ass, she's a little bad. These Wall Street guys. 
You see what they did to this country? They stole from everybody. Hardworking people lost everything. And not one of these douchebags went to jail. The game is rigged, and it does not reward people who play by the rules. But it's like robbing a bank, except you get the keys. Are you in? What if somebody calls the cops? And says what? Woo! I spent $5,000 at a strip club, sent help. Ah, damn! Oh. We're a family now. Damn! A family with money! Damn! We didn't do anything wrong. You know, Tony wouldn't let this happen. I'm gonna text him. Who gave her her phone back? Okay, so as you, our usual listeners, know, our first segment, Setting the Scene, is where we introduce the movie at hand and talk about our history with it without any spoilers. So that's what we're getting to in a little bit. But first, for those of you who have yet to watch and feel bad about kind of enjoying (laughs) watching asshole rich dudes get their comeuppance or did watch the movie and can't bring themselves to remember anything else but J-Lo's pole dancing routine to Fiona Apple, here's a brief refresher of the story of Hustlers. Based on a New York Magazine article, Hustlers tells the story of a group of women who whined, dined, and sometimes drugged dudes who mostly sucked out of money. These same dudes probably did a bunch of shady shit to get anyway, so it's kind of whatever. Still, drugging people is wrong, so don't do it. In any case, the women are led by Ramona, an experienced and charismatic exotic dancer played by the criminally overlooked and perpetually godlike J-Lo, and Destiny, a bashful but determined single mom played by the annoyingly beautiful Constance Wu. While successful at first, their operation gets out of control and, much like the Bond between these two women eventually hits a snag. Come for the gift of witnessing J-Lo be J-Lo. Stay for the commentary on ambition, capitalism, womanhood, dubious morality, and the myth of upward mobility in the type of society that lets Wall Street douchebags get away with anything. But mostly J-Lo. <laughs> um, I think that that pretty much covers it. That's perfect. That's actually, that's exactly what I just watched and it's perfect. So yes. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. I did watch this movie an embarrassing number of times, uh, but before we dig our, our red bottoms into this plot, um, I need to ask you, Danielle, in the spoiler free section, again, it's safe to proceed. You dear listener who hasn't watched the movie. What's your history? with this uh, particular cinematic masterpiece? I am new to the Hustlers universe. Brand new. In fact, I had never seen it before. And it's very funny because I watched it. And while I don't have a a history with it, I have a a funny connection to it. So I was watching and in in an early scene, there is a dancer who does opera singing. And I heard the singing and I was like, oh, that sounds just like Marcy, who's um, the wife of one of my main ambulance partners. He like... Uh, married this like incredible aerialist opera singing like burlesque performer okay and i've him. seen her do <laughs> things no I mean, that's the funny thing it's like he's who i really know super well i know her yeah. i've obviously met her a few times but yeah. and, like they have a very cute dog uh but yeah marcy richardson and i actually checked today because i was like that really sounded like her i should definitely go check it looked like yeah. her too but like i actually heard the sound before i recognized the face mm-hmm. and indeed that's her so that's that's kind of cool. 
Um, <laughs> You're so one no degree history, of separation. No history, from but a J-Lo. connection. Exactly. Yes. Only one degree of separation from J Lo and Cardi B and Lizzo yeah. and Constance Wu and I guess Julia Stiles. I guess whatever. Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer. Palmer yes. Oh yes. my God. So only one degree and of separation. Usher. And Usher. How could I fucking forget? <laughs> What's your name? Usher, baby. Usher, baby. Oh. And I'm now two degrees of separation from all these people. So I will call I, I save lives with this guy and he's married to this cool girl who's in this movie. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's <laughs> New York, like, baby. What a power couple. <laughs> honestly, honestly, for real. Yes, they are really cool people. Very nice people. I love them. <laughs> I mean, they have amazing jobs. There's no way they're not cool. I have a crush on both of them already. Honestly, it's valid. Extremely valid. <laughs> extremely, extremely valid. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I actually, so as I said, I said I watched it too many times. It's not too many. I've watched it three times, which That's I think not is not too fair. many times for a great film. I think it's IMO, fair. IMO, IMO. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It does speak to how much, like how drawn I am to it. Because one one fun fact about me, I don't like watching movies more than once. I have like a very low attention span and like very low tol- tolerance for repetition. Um, but I did watch it once as when it first came out because I just had to. And then mm-hmm. the second time, I think I watched it on a plane and then the third time to do the show. And I was like, at first I was like, ah, I got to watch it again. I've seen it like recently. And the minute it started, I was all in, I was transported. I was like, yes, I will watch it. It's going to be like clueless for me. Cause I've seen clueless about like 11 times. So, uh, That's great. Yeah. We've established. I, I have, I have a very specific set of skills, um, <laughs> which, unlike Liam Neeson, don't involve being a very competent killer. I can watch very specific movies several times, which is a talent I tell myself at night uh, before I go to sleep. It's an incredible talent. <laughs> That's a talent, and I think it's real. <laughs> I'll take it. Honestly, right now at this juncture, I'll take it. I'll take anything. Take any positives, <laughs> but yes, I am actually. Um, and we'll get into it because I, I want to get into it. I feel like this is a very specific, this movie is made for a very specific type of person, mm-hmm. uh, from a specific time in history. And I feel like I happen to be right there, like I'm, I'm, I'm in the like. I don't know, the Venn diagram, whatever, like where all things meet. I'm like in the middle of it um, with this movie. So it's no wonder, but we'll talk more in depth. But yeah, that's my my sort of history with Hustlers. Like I'm a fan and I was excited uh, that we picked it. And it was also a very easy pick for us, dear listener, because when we were brainstorming this uh, month's theme, which for those of you who didn't quite catch it we're basically revisiting movies uh and particularly stars in movies that we feel didn't get their due uh recognition by uh the academy awards and i feel like all of us just jumped uh paul uh our amazing producer i think he might have been the first one to mention it but the three of us were like yes j-lo and hustlers so it was a very uh pretty pretty easy pick for us Hashtag justice uh, for J-Lo. <laughs> Having said all that, we will uh, prepare to enter our second uh, segment of the show, 
the part where we slap on our pasties and sway to the extremely time-specific sounds of one Usher Terrence Raymond IV <laughs> in our <laughs> stripping it down section that is spoiler-filled. So for those of you who have not watched it, fix it and then come listen to us or just listen to us and never mind the spoilers. It's not like we're ruining anything <laughs> uh, here. You still get to watch uh, J-Lo pole dancing to criminals. So it's like, you know what? Whatever. You know, yeah. the story is just uh, secondary. So, yes, <laughs> we are preparing to enter that segment of the show but before we do that, we will go on a quick ad break. We are entering the spoiler-filled part of our show, a section we like to call stripping it down. We actually baptized it because we started yeah. it with uh, striptease and uh, we've come full circle, Danielle, because it works. Honestly, it's so perfect. <laughs> I was like delighted when we got to the stripping it down section because it's like, yeah, here we are. <laughs> it really works. Yeah. We just kept the name. It was easier and it made sense. But yes, it's a very adequate week, week for the name of the segment, uh, the stripping it down section where we dive deep into the specific uh, aspects of the plot, the characters and everything else that has to do with the movie. And I guess, first of all, let's start with the reason why we're all here. Because yes. this is why this movie fit into this month's theme. We are here seeking justice for one Jennifer Lopez. And I need to ask you, Danielle, what is yes. your what are your thoughts since you are new to this? So I'm curious yes. to know what were your thoughts on Jennifer Lopez J Lo's uh J Lo's performance here? She, I mean, I'm sure everyone else has had every adjective. You know, it's like you need a thesaurus to just keep going with. Not only the obvious, like the, I feel like the obvious things are, of course, of course, she is beyond beautiful, beyond yeah. gorgeous. That's just surface level that she yeah. is beyond beautiful and gorgeous. She's also yeah. so warm and so mm -hmm. charismatic and she's yeah. so genuinely loving in this role yep. that like it actually, I expected very different things. I expected so much more of like a turn of some kind, but she is like love she is hot woman and love embodied in a performance. And that yeah. is, listen, those are two things I like a lot in my <laughs> life. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say I don't really enjoy hot women and love. And this is a movie about found family and love yeah. and making shit work. And that's also fantastic. But she is the reason to be here. She is, other people are great in this movie. I, you know, I want to give them their props too. But she yeah. is the reason to be here. And she absolutely nails it absolutely absolutely nails it in every single scene and she has to have a lot of range here she has to mm -hmm. do literal pole dancing which is unbelievably hard and i know we're probably yeah. all going to talk about that because we all know people who do like very advanced pole dancing which like is one of the hardest things to do in the universe yeah. she has to look amazing in like four hundred thousand different outfits she mm -hmm. has to 
be warm and loving as both a mother and as as something else, which we will discuss. She also has to be like incredibly tough and incredibly smart in all of these things. And she just fucking nails every single thing she does in this movie. I believed every second of it. I was in it every second of it. And like, again, this performance, how did it not win everything that exists? I mean, I know why, because everything sucks. However, (laughs) she deserved everything. I agree. Nobel Prize for being hot, but also like (laughs) Nobel Prize for like giving humanity something to fucking look up to. Like, honestly, that's what this performance is. I absolutely agree. And I think like, and that's the thing with uh, snubs, right? And uh, it's a tired conversation where we have it every award season. But what what hurts me on a deep level uh, when people are snubbed is when I feel like they have a perfect role and it doesn't get the acknowledgement it deserves. And in this case... Uh, she wasn't even nominated, which pisses me off to no end. But, you know, there are some roles and off the top of my head, I can think of like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler, right? Like, sure. or I believe still Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born. Um, haven't watched House of Gucci, but like, to me, those are like roles that were made for these people. And even though we have discussed J-Lo in another role uh, that really was perfect for her, of course, when she played Selena, um, this this to me feels like such a good character for her to display everything that you literally just said, uh, Danielle. Her charisma, her warmth, combined with the toughness. And and what what I mostly like the type of performances that I tend to enjoy the most are performances that really feel natural because sometimes it just feels like the actors aren't acting, right? Like, it kind of feels like they're wearing the character so comfortably that it doesn't really feel like a performance. And that, to me, was one of those cases. I am absolutely obsessed with J-Lo in this role because I do feel like she created a character. I don't don't know the real-life inspiration behind Ramona. I'm going to go ahead and guess she can't be this fucking cool and charismatic and amazing (laughs) because that's... Not a possible thing to happen. Um, but I just, I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I remember finishing the movie and being like, it just, I don't know, like it just really felt effortless. And to yeah. me, that's harder than anything else. It just really feels like it was the right role for this point of JLo's career, like Selena was for that point of her career. It really fit perfectly. And like you said, she did her own stunts. Uh, she learned to pole dance, which granted, JLo is a dancer. So yes. I'm guessing it's <laughs> easier when you have that background. I tried pole dancing. Uh, my sister has done pole dancing for quite a few years now, and uh, she's become very good at it, but it took a lot of hard work because she doesn't have a background in dancing or gymnastics or anything mildly, remotely athletic whatsoever. But I tried doing it for like a month, and it, it's so hard. It, it's impossible. Like, I consider myself a moderately strong person, and I completely lack the grip strength, the upper body strength, the core strength, and the grace. Let's freaking face it. But Fernanda, so- <laughs> Fernanda. But every girl has muscles for this. Every girl has muscles for this. But All they right? do need to be worked a little. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and J-Lo, 
she prepared for it for like a couple of months, which is crazy impressive. Even though she is a dancer and a fit person in general, two months. Um, I've seen different things, but like no more than two months. It's uh, apparently she was rehearsing a lot. Uh, the teacher whose name I'm now forgetting, but who is the Cirque du Soleil performer and a classically trained dancer was saying that sometimes like JLo could go for like 10 hours a day. That's how like determined and hardworking she was. But it's, it's mad impressive. And also a testament to how difficult uh, an athletically challenging pole dancing is because I watched a video of her performing and JLo too had all the bruises on the thighs <laughs> and the aches and the difficulties getting upside down. And, you know, just, it's a very, very challenging, challenging thing to do. God. Yeah. Yeah. I have several of my closest friends that I train jujitsu with are very into pole. And one of them is like, extremely into pole. I've watched her perform a few times and she's like real good at it. And it's really hard. And it's like, she has bruises worse from pole, from mm -hmm. the dancing, you know, from this performance art than from the combat sport where we are actively trying to break each other's limbs the entire time. Like worse <laughs> bruises for sure. So it's like, that is a hard, hard thing to do well and to make it look good. Like, holy shit. And the whole time you're making it look good. Like, you have to be athletic. You have to be super strong. And you also need to not have like a poop face the whole time. That to me is like the That's hardest thing real to think of. It is. <laughs> like for real, I'm not even being facetious. I've actually said this to pole, like friends of mine who are pole performers yeah. before. And like, we've all like kind of commented, like when you're doing jujitsu, nobody cares what your face looks like. You look like, you know, your face is making stupid faces, but like yeah. you're doing pole, you're doing things as athletically difficult, but you have to look like nice while you do it. That is mind-bogglingly hard like I, I sit there and I think about this and I'm like those those people deserve much more money they deserve a lot more money that is really hard <laughs> so yeah dude I was I'll, I'll I'll tell I'll share this little tale I was in Canada for <laughs> Christmas visiting my sister she has a pole in her living room nice um, yeah and we decided to do a little like uh, a class to the tune of Jingle Bell Rock yes! with the nod to the Mean Girls card I'm such like a typical millennial that it's embarrassing <laughs> and we'll get into it. And that's why this movie, I think uh, sometimes I'm just like such a basic bitch. I'm in awe of myself, <laughs> but yeah, we were dancing to it and uh, it was kind of a simple choreography. Cause my sister knows like, I'm not uh, that proficient with the pole and we filmed ourselves and I was like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. Like, this is okay. And then I went to watch the video. Oh, no. And the oh, poop no. face. It's just <laughs> there. <you know? laughs> I'm just, I look so worried and sad through the entire thing. <laughs> and like I'm concentrating so hard. It is, it's very depressing. I don't, I don't recommend uh, watching yourself do things. Uh, but that was, that was a humbling experience. <laughs> All around. I'm like, because it did. <laughs> I'm like I feel like if I ever tried to do a pole thing, I would definitely like wear a mask. I'd be like, this is part of my act. <laughs> Just because I'd be making like faces like the whole time, like trying to pull myself up like that and be upside down. I'd be like hulking out in my face the whole time. And it's like, just have a nice mask. You know, nobody will know. <laughs> you should like get one of those inflatable like T-Rex costumes. <laughs> and do Honestly. that. Yeah. That's the secret. JLo didn't have that luxury. 
She <laughs> no, she had to do it all and be perfect at it and and look perfect the whole time, which is like I don't even know how. Like it it defies. I feel like I could understand rocket science much better than understand how you do that. So yeah, and wear like a silver g string, like. Right. Like, it's hard enough to do all of that in, like, comfortable clothes. Try right. doing that with, like, a purple piece of fabric riding up your ass. And those shoes? I My ankles never. would just be broke. Like, it would just be broken. I'd be like, oh, people ankle lock me. I have no problems. But I try to even step one step, let alone look sexy. I'd be on my ass holding a broken limb. Which <laughs> like, <it's> just- <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other, imagine, like a horror, I would say it's uh, be the first like horror movie, but like that, but I remember there's that Lindsay Lohan movie that involves stripping, I know who killed me or something like that. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it's a horror, it felt horrible. So I'm just going yeah. to watch. <laughs> Which, uh, I'm a big supporter of, Jay- of Lindsay Lohan's comeback, by the way. And I feel like we mistreated her as Same. a culture. But uh, yeah, that movie Very Britney. Very Britney. Very yeah, Britney. Totally But the Britney. pleasers, my sister says it's she has an easier time dancing with the pleasers now than without, like, with just, uh, without shoes. So okay. I'll have to take her word for it. And she says the bruising gets easier with time, too. Which is funny, because <gasps> my sister used to train Muay Thai with me, and she was such a baby about everything. And then the roles were reversed. But yes, pole dancing, hanging upside down, wearing pleasers and very little fabric and looking damn good while doing it. Christian Bale could never. That's all I'm going to say. Honestly. Honestly. And fucking, you know who won that year? Joaquin Phoenix for the Joker. Like, I know, I know, and and Renee Zellweger got it for Judy Garland or whatever, and I don't even have an opinion on that, because, like, whatever. And I know I'm comparing apples and oranges, but also gender is a construct, so fuck it. (laughs) How in this world does the Joker get anything other than laughed at, and yet, like, laughed at in in the other way, and yet this movie fucking snubbed, snub, snub, snub city. How do we yeah. live in this trash universe? I'm upset. I don't know, I'm very. I upset. feel like the Joker deserved to be swindled by the hustlers. That's all. I'm gonna say. I yes, he fucking did. Yes, he did. That's the way the world should have gone. Honestly, <laughs> in our imaginary uh, scenario, that's what happened because we create those here. Um, I will say, and that's we've been talking about the pole dancing and the references for a bit so i will say that's why i think this movie is kind of catnip for me because it really is a portrait of a time like the soundtrack is very millennial like usher florida like very very that very that the looks are very 2000 something and i feel like (laughs) the quote-unquote politics of the movie to speak to a very specific segment of the population because it's kind of like, and I'm, we'll, we'll get into it after this. Cause obviously there's like a moral conundrum type of thing that we need to discuss here. Right. Yeah, there's like there's a, this, a 2% moral conundrum. That, <laughs> Cause here's the thing, right? We're <laughs> drugging people is not cool. Don't do right, that. 
Right, you can kill them, uh, but even if you don't kill them, that's just like not a thing you should be doing. So don't, dear listeners. However, if you are going <laughs> to do terrible things to someone, they pick the right people for us to be very unsympathetic towards. Because <laughs> these ladies are swindling uh, these Wall Street types who are very, very douchey. And it makes it very... This is, of course, a deliberate choice. And the tone of the article, I don't know if you read the original article, but it's very similar, actually, to the movie. They took took quotes from it. They took stories. It's very, like, faithful um, to, to the original article by Jennifer Pressler, who, by the way, is also the journalist portrayed in Inventing Anna, which is now on Netflix, about Anna Delvey slash Anna Sorokin, who pretended to be a German Harris and, like, swindled a bunch of New York high society people. But good on, the, like, Jennifer, what a body of work. You've been portrayed by <laughs> by Honestly. Julia Stiles and Anna, Anna Chlum, I don't know how to say her name. My girl. And a oh Chlumsky? yeah, Schlumsky, I think. Yeah, Klumsky? I think so. Schlumsky. But yeah, good on you, Jennifer. You do you? But yeah, so the it so you you're the entire movie kind of like rooting for them because obviously it's a deliberate choice. They picked good actresses. They made them extremely sympathetic. They gave these characters uh, solid backgrounds. Uh, they gave you. They gave reasons for you and, to sort and of family. Right. Like yeah. we see their families, we see their struggles. We know that they are working class women as well. All of them like have been told, at least maybe not every single one, but the main characters, we have a whole thing. We have a whole bit of dialogue about, oh, what did you do? You know, what did you have to do for a thousand dollars? Where um, the Constance Wu character, Destiny, actually says that to the reporter. And it's like, yeah. no, we're really on their side. And there's a very, very, very good reason for it. Um, yeah, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then you kind of like, okay, and, and these guys, they even in the speeches, right, and the way that uh, Ramona J.Lo's character explains it in a way, it's kind of like, well, they're stealing from us. They, like, ruined the country and nothing happened. So these guys are, like, stealing from us every day. Like, it's totally cool that it's like a Robin Hood uh, type situation that it kind of makes you, not kind of, it's intended it's designed to make you root for them up until the point where the victim uh becomes someone that you can actually feel bad for because the victim is a sad boy who's sad yeah and like yeah yeah. i for me so so this is the only part where it got complicated for me it wasn't even him i actually kind of didn't care about that guy at all i don't I, i personally i didn't care about any of the guys, even when they were meant to be sympathetic because like, okay, you all just ruined the entire world. Like y'all just fucking seriously ruined the world. It all takes place right after the financial crisis in 2008 and where everybody is suffering because of these fucking assholes. And sorry if I'm oversimplifying, but that's kind of what happened. (laughs) My complication with it was more that it's not like they were also now turning their their heads on capitalism, right? They they then took all that money and like bought really nice shoes. And like I get yeah. it. I'm I'm not trying to judge. Like they deserve all those shoes. Like they deserve every good thing in the world. But if I if I were genuinely like making a movie that's like capitalism sucks, 
I probably I probably would have gone harder on the like, no, I paid off my grandma's house. No, I paid for my daughter's education. No, I paid for all this kind of stuff. But like this is a very fun movie too. And I think that's that's kind of where that tension is up against it, right? Of like, hey, they're having fun. And there's a there's a very real, very, very, very um very, very present, I think, undercurrent of these people grew up with nothing and therefore like having something means a lot to them, a lot more to them than necessarily what it would mean for like somebody who grew up rich. So I think the movie does the work in a very good way, but there is that tension between we're having a really good time here versus showing that they like, yeah, these, these, these people were really fucking struggling before they found this, this gig, right They're before they found their scam. Yeah. And they do, they kind of like do the, the womanhood obviously is also a big part of it, right? They show sort of Ramona trying to go straight and not being able to because her asshole boss would not give her like the time to be with her kid. To pick up her kid once a week and she had somebody cover for it, like completely reasonable. And the guy's just like, am I the father? Then why do I give a shit? Let me chew my sandwich. It's like, fuck you. And I love that the movie is so on her side. Like, I really do love that. Um, And when they introduce cops, the movie is very much against the side of the cops. The cops are shown as like bumbling fucking assholes, basically. (laughs) Like idiots who who are just laughing at the whole thing until like they actually get evidence. Like just the fucking worst, right? So it's, the movie has its heart in, in the right place, I think, throughout yeah, but it, it and here's the thing, right? I feel like also it came at the right time because it was right at the peak of fuck men. <laughs> like, <laughs> like culturally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nothing against uh men, by the way. I have friends who are men. Uh again, there, there are there's there's good dudes. There's good remember we said this before, like good dudes rock. Good dudes good rock. Dudes rock. There's no good dudes in this movie whatsoever. Married Not men, even the sad uh, boy. <laughs> Uh, you know, have had encounters with them for a lot of my life. Uh, no, but I think like culturally it was the right time for the movie to come out. Like, I feel like it was very the peak of that while now we're kind of like on the, on the come down maybe a little more. Um, but you know, that, that it's really that tension and, and they built it well because also like the main character played by Constance Wu, uh, Destiny, in the movie, she's very likable. And I think they made a very conscious choice to do that because it's very, mm-hmm. I think it's much easier to root for a character like her, right? Like Ramona is there sort of the counterweight because Ramona is a little more ruthless. She kind of comes across as the person who's proactively doing this. While Destiny comes across as the person who, you know, was fucked over by her fiance, who, by the way, in real life, she uh, went back to, they got back together. Other, um, oh shit! After Johnny many years. came back, I guess <laughs> yeah. Johnny came back in uh, real life. Uh, but uh, Rosie, which is her uh, real life name, is very, very different. I haven't seen her sure. speak, but I read a couple of interviews, and she's not that sort of like. She does not come across as the sort of person who just ended up in that situation, which is kind of what they make uh, Destiny seem like. In the even there's one interview in which she talks about the, how her problem uh, with the movie was that she 
here's I'm actually going to quote uh, from this interview on Oprah Daily. Most importantly, Keo, uh, Rosie Keo, is adamant that she's not as timid as Wu's portrayal of destiny implies. That's not me, she says. Sure, maybe the first day I was shy. You're the new girl, but eventually you'll learn to at least pretend to be tough because in there you're going to get eaten alive if you don't. I learned that works with the guys, but that doesn't work in the dressing room. She's also not thrilled that J-Lo's character Ramona got all of the really witty lines Keo dropped in her New York interview. For instance, <laughs> when Ramona tells Destiny, we're like Kobe and Shaq. In the movie, that was actually Keo's observation. They made J-Lo's character stronger than me, she notes. And then like something like, uh, she adds point blankly, I'm an anti-hero. I'm no different than Tony Soprano. You're rooting for Tony <laughs> Soprano, but he's doing a horrible thing. But just because you do messed up things doesn't make you a bad person. And then like a bunch of things and talks about how like she felt guilty. But when you're in that world for so many years, you start to become jaded and you lose a sense of reality. Basically, she's not as she comes across as much more aware and like incisive and much more of a like main player in the story as Constance Wu. And I think as uh, Ramona and much more, much less bashful than Constance Wu's uh, portrayal, which I think was a very conscious choice of the movie yeah. that I don't know. I understand, but I don't know if I love like a part of me just wishes it was just two straight up fucking assholes. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. being scheming assholes together instead of like having to do this. Oh, we can only root for this woman if we sense some kind of purity in her because in a way that's kind of like and I feel like that's actually more the commentary more so than capitalism sucks because like you said I don't think they actually go there I think it's more like capitalism is a cycle and we are stimulating this kind of behavior and that's what happens but I feel like they were trying to make sort of like guys get away with scheming and stealing and they get mm -hmm. glorified for hustling all the time while these girls um and you know when women do it that's the problem. I think that's kind of where they're going, except, like I said, the drugging part is where I think they make, like, a very clear... That's when it takes a very clear turn to, like, yeah, that's... Let us not. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even then, they made the scene sound really cool and quirky, like, oh, we're just mixing up ketamine and... And, <laughs> <laughs> and MDMA. Yeah, it, it's, it's very... Uh, it's really, really hard, because I, I see the point that the screenwriters probably made and the direction probably made to make this story very accessible, right. To everybody. Yeah. This is very, this is a very simple narrative, right? It's, it's the somewhat innocent person gets in with the wrong, you know, whatever, even though they're obviously not, it's not that simple in terms of like, who's doing okay. And who's not doing okay. There is some yeah. complication there, but like, I would be pissed too, to be honest with you. Like, if, like, my cool lines went to the other person and I was a fucking badass, like, I, I would be mad. Like, if I were her, I would actually be mad <laughs> a little bit. And it's like, oh, it's documented in this article that 900 million people read or whatever, you know. Yeah. I said this cool thing. And then why did, why did J-Lo get to read it? And it's like, I do 100% get it as, like, a you know, screenwriting thing and like yeah, make this, this story a little bit simpler because that's what reads in a movie kind of thing. Like, yeah, get of it. course. Get the it, contrast, but also, right? I would also be mad. Get it, but sympathize is, I guess, <laughs> how I feel about that. And I also like, just, okay, I didn't mean to, to do it like this, but like as an EMT, whenever you bring drugs into anything, mm -hmm. anything, anything, anything in the universe, somebody's going to get hurt. 
I knew I knew somebody was going to take a dive from the roof. I knew. I was like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's surprising to me that this took this long for, for like a serious injury to happen because drunk and high people hurt themselves all the time, just all the time, like constantly, every day, hundreds, thousands of calls of people hurting themselves on drugs. And it's just like, that's just going to happen. And I and I also get that, like, hey, look, they needed to they needed to sweeten the deal. They needed to do this to have their gig work. And like the fact that most of these guys are absolutely mainlining cocaine on their way to work. And we do see that in the movie is also like, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. I, I get it. I get why you felt OK with this. But it is. And it is it is one of those things where everybody's like, no, we don't want anybody to get hurt. We don't want anybody to get hurt. And like, of course, they didn't actually want anybody to get hurt. But but they didn't care that much. But either. like, yeah, they didn't care that much. And me as a viewer of the movie didn't care that much either. And like, maybe yeah. that's my problem. And maybe that's because I do blame Wall Street bros and assholes for ruining the world. And they have a part in it. It's not only them who yeah. ruin the world but they have a pretty strong part in it. So <laughs> and it's, this is one of those where it's like, oh, I know it's wrong, but I don't care. Because <laughs> I'm having fun watching these ladies be awesome. But then, of course, because I'm a, I'm a, a you know, a horrible little hippie, I wanted them to take that money and, and be like, and now we fixed the world, and now we're going to go live on an island, and uh, I'll be gay. And uh, yes, that's the ending to every movie ever that I want uh, for all the women to just go off on an island and be gay. I guess I want every movie to end the way Wonder Woman started and then never go where <laughs> never go where Wonder Woman ended or even was the middle. Yes. That's, Again, I guess, our yeah. millionaire listener, future backer, just plastic fish really go well with plastic fish, islands. Amazonian lesbian island. Just that's it. That's all. Clearly, listen, <laughs> listen. We watch a lot of power fantasies. Okay, that's mine. And it's valid. <laughs> I love it. It's valid. <laughs> I will always support it. Thank and you. I would love a role in that movie, even though I'm straight. So I don't know if I'm if I should. Yeah, no. And we can have a section. There could be a section, and the good dudes who rock can live there too. So it's all everybody. <laughs> good dudes who rock. Awesome straight women get a whole section on lesbian fun time island. Amazing. Absolutely. It's a very, very inclusive, inclusive island. Because <laughs> <laughs> us the straights, again, we need the include we've been we've been in the living in the sidelines of society for too long. Danielle. If you <laughs> if you listen to Fox News, uh you'll see you'll see it. You watch Fox News, the evidence that us the the straights have been uh have been ostracized it's for long enough, you know, so, suppressed and oppressed, both and oppressed. So, so yeah. we need it. So we need that uh, for ourselves. Yeah, but true. it's it's funny because I watched uh, all of Inventing Anna real quick because I just love a good story about cons. Oh, yeah. It's oh please, yes. I I as we've established in striptease, I feel like my my essence lives in the intersection between pole dancing and crime. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Yes. I don't know what that says about me, but it does. Uh, it says something. All right. It is said and I will own it because that's who I am as a person. I but love this. Uh, I love like stories of cons and I was the event. Tiana show. That's a whole other thing. It would take a, a whole separate podcast. And I know you haven't watched it, but there is valid criticism about it sort of glorifying this character um, of Anna Delvey. And 
and but when I was watching a an interview on like Australian 60 Minutes, they interviewed her, the actual Anna Delvey, and a psychologist who wrote a book called The Confidence Game. And she talked about how the fascination uh, for con people often stems from kind of like two things. Um, first of all, the sort of smarts or how like they got away with like elaborate shit because we are fascinated by it. It goes very quickly from that's genius to that's very stupid because it's genius <laughs> while it's working and it's very stupid while it doesn't. And it tends to stop working at some point because people get greedy or blinded by their own ambition. But uh, she also talked about how often we tend to view these as victimless crimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because often the people being conned are uh, people who we kind of like culturally feel deserve to be conned, uh, whether uh-huh. it's rich people or entitled people or whatever. And then up until the point where we actually see somebody we, who we can actually identify as a victim, we have a tough time. And that's my analysis. That's not what she said. But like, I feel like we have yeah, a tough yeah. time conjuring up empathy. And that's kind of like what happens in a movie, right? You're like having a grand old time watching them like just take money from these douchebags. And then like there's the one guy you feel bad for because he was going through a lot and that was a bad situation and he trusted them. And then he gets like fired and he actually got fired twice, by the way, the uh, original guy who they mentioned in the article because he put like they took it out of the corporate card and then there was an internal investigation he got fired uh he got rehired they found out uh what happened and he got fired again so this like is a person who actually had their lives ruined and who knows how many other uh more sympathetic victims were in this Right. But I think that's kind of where the tension lies. And it's something you you talk about. And to me, that's interesting uh, to examine within ourselves. Right. Because we look at them as this whole group of people who are doing harm to society and you kind of feel like they're getting their comeuppance. And then when you start looking individually, that's when you start feeling bad. But the movie does a very good job at not making you feel that bad because it's very glamorous and they're all very pretty and cool. So you're like, oh, oh no, that guy. Hey, shiny boots. (laughs) Hey, a red bottom. (laughs) It's very much that. And it's also that these guys are so established as horrible scumbags first. Yeah. Like that's a huge part of it, right? Of like, especially the guy. um, I don't know if we need a content warning or maybe I'll just be very vague about it but like the guy who like insists on certain sex acts yeah like he he becomes a a victim later right and he's the guy who goes through the glass table i think um and it's just like yeah you should go through the glass table you're an actual piece of shit like sorry (laughs) yeah sorry but you suck like the one the one thing where it's like okay um I laughed a lot at this and I actually do want to talk about just the humor of the movie briefly as well, because this movie made me laugh a lot more than I thought it would. Like, it's actually a very, very, very funny movie in some very like clever and cute and and funny little ways. But Mm -hmm. when they brought the the guy who actually does get hurt, um, like to the hospital and she starts screaming like, my husband, please help my husband. (laughs) Like that scene is hysterical because you have the vomiting girl and you have, Mercedes just run away in the fucking heels. And like, you have, you know, uh, Destiny screaming, help my husband. And then they like yeah. dash away. Like, it's very funny, but it's also like, I hope that guy isn't like, you know, Dead. severely injured and like horribly, horribly yeah. hurt now. And that's one of those things where it's like, they do kind of gloss over like the fact that you can get 
truly horrifically fucked up if you do something very stupid when you're very high. Like, it, yeah. it is a thing that happens. And it oh, sucks. Absolutely. And it's not actually pretty. You know, I mean, like, that's true. <laughs> with me, it's like, I'm always two shots of tequila away from doing something really stupid. So I can, <laughs> at any point in my life... I am like just two shots away of like getting really injured uh, and doing something <laughs> horrific. And not to mention like sort of the psychological sort of um, damage, of course, right? Of blacking out and not exactly remembering uh, what happened. But yeah, they it's do, not like, okay to drug people. Let, let, yeah. I guess you've said it multiple times and I, I should <laughs> say it to you. I suppose just for the record, it's not okay, not okay to, to drug, drug people. people. It's just not but, okay. Yeah, that's where the moral like tension of the movie really uh, stems from. But they do, yeah. and they do a good job of casting just the slimiest looking motherfuckers. Like oh they, my God, yes. I, what was in that casting call? Just like oh. look like a douchebag. Like that's the oh. only thing we need for you to get this role. Did they go to Wall Street? Because that's every time <laughs> I've been there, it's like yeah, that's who. I mean, again, you know my politics and the way I feel about this shit. Yeah, so maybe maybe I'm looking through some lenses here, but oh god, the yeah. banker blue, the fucking the suits and the fucking vests. Like I just uh it would be a true challenge. You know that whole idea of like God's working on all of us? It would be a true challenge, <laughs> you know, for me to have a lot of sympathy. And like I have to do this, right? I have patients all the time that like might yeah. not be like the kind of person, oh, I think is awesome. Like I have patients all the time that, that, you know, perhaps are, <laughs> you know, in, in that world. I'm not trying to say anything too specific, obviously. Yeah, but, like, of course. While watching a movie, I'm in a very different headspace than when yeah. I'm doing EMS, of course. Ah, and it's of like, course, yeah. I'm here to be entertained and to watch these women be fucking awesome and be kind of queer, which again, like, it's not like the movie was really saying that, but the movie wasn't. They did not mention that you felt it. like there was some queer baiting, right? They're just cut. Okay, okay. There is. The first interaction between our two leading ladies is "Come step into my fur," and then she yeah. steps into her fur, and they are cuddling in the fur. And like, I know, I know, and I know it's complicated, <laughs> and I know that heterosexual women have close, intimate relationships with other women yeah. that are maybe flirty sometimes yeah and maybe very affectionate sometimes and that's totally a thing and again i'm not trying to make everything gay it's just there were some lingering <laughs> glances there were some close-ups yeah. on holding hands there were some things that the movie was like saying was like hey there's maybe some tension here even if they're not like a couple there mm. is like an extreme jealousy between them at times like when there's mm. a new girl in the crew like Dawn, you know, we know why Dawn kind of sucks, you know, but yeah. a few times, like she's just not very good at doing this. Yeah. Um, there Dawn is, is just like not a good lot at crime, is she? she? Dawn's not great at crime. <laughs> you know, Dawn's just a little sloppy, you know? <laughs> so like, there are real reasons, but when we first meet Dawn, there's like this yeah. jealous ass look yeah. on Destiny's face and like these long, you know, slow tracking shots and slow close-ups that are like, there's jealousy there. And again, whether that's romantic jealousy or something else, totally yeah. get it. I just want to say there's there's both like some queer subtext, I think. And then there's the obvious queer baiting of the way that women dance together yeah. and yeah. probably do things to each other um, sexually for the men. Like that's part of their performance. That's part yeah. of what they're doing is actual. I guess you wouldn't call it queer baiting because it's not meant for 
baiting queer women. It's meant for baiting heterosexual men. But it's the way in which lesbian relationships and lesbian sex is used to titillate men, right? To titillate heterosexual men. And that's like, that's just part of what's going on here. That's just what happens in the performance that may or may not be anything, you know, to do with their actual sexuality. But I got to say, whether they are queer or not, they are in love. Like the ending is that they are actually in love. Like JLo's character puts the two baby pictures of them together so they're like hugging or kissing. <laughs> like that's the last thing she does in this movie. That's that's love. Whether it's gay love or not, that's real love. And it's honestly kind of beautiful. And I really, really liked that touch, even though it was like a slightly strange thing, I guess. To, like, put your baby picture against a person's baby picture that you love. But, like, you know, I'm not going to judge. Love is love. Love is beautiful. (laughs) And I guess that's the beauty of Ramona. She does a bunch of fucked up shit that you're just like, oh, that's endearing. (laughs) (laughs) What she does is it's just endearing. Uh, This lady, Ramona. Ramona, you can get away with anything. (sighs) I, I don't have enough money for you to take away from me. But you probably could if you tried a little bit. Right? <laughs> you need to try that hard with me. Um, I mean, it's just like she could just do anything. However, like in the world of this movie, in the world, she didn't get away with it, right? She all did the not. fucking scumbag assholes got away with all their stealing. But she had to do probation for five years or whatever. I actually so like, read they kept the money, though. Like the did. women kept the money. Yeah, I. I that's the thing. I, it, it was on Wikipedia. I didn't get like wasn't able to dive deep. So take it with a grain of salt here. I will have to do more research on where things stand now. But uh, yeah, there was like a line saying that the women, yeah, they got like some light legal punishment, but that they were able to keep the money. So. I mean, I want them to have all the money. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's done. (laughs) Another element that I, I'll introduce here briefly. uh, And it might be a little too much, but it's something okay. that I've been thinking about because it also intersects a little bit with the Ventiana and that I feel it kind of like it's where the media plays into it. Because when these things happen, um, I feel like the the media plays such a big part in amplifying and profiting off of these stories, right? They explore this yes. in Ventiana a lot because the whole, like the, the journalist is actually um, the main character of the show. And the whole thing is like, she's trying to rebuild uh, her career um, and her story on Anna, like she's relentlessly pursuing the Anna story because she wants redemption for her career. And the website that she works for, which is like in real life, it was uh I think it was New York. Yeah, it was New York Magazine still, but gotcha. they named it something else in the in the series. She is pursuing, like, the website wants the clicks, right? And it's the same thing with all of this. And I think that's also part of the fascination with con people is that, like, so the media is always, cha- we, and, and as a media, I'm, I'm the media. <laughs> so it's not like I'm exempting myself. <laughs> we, yeah, we're the media. Yeah, yeah. We're always like chasing the stories and amplifying these stories and talking to these people. And we we kind of like assume, I think, this sort of douchey position of judging them while profiting from them and at the same time expecting them to feel guilty and to sort of admit their flaws. Um mm-hmm. In a way, even like in the interview that I read uh, from Oprah Magazine with uh, Rosalind, Rosie, um, and the person's talking about, oh, how like, oh, she feels like guilt is, 
she she's doing a horrible thing, la la la. Like guilt is different from regret. Uh, and that Kyo doesn't feel regret. Like it feels like we get I I feel like we get into this role where we uh, want to judge and we want to hear these characters and these people who do these things. Like we want them to admit that they did something wrong. Um, we want to put them in a place or where we show their guilt while also showing why they're in the, while, while simultaneously building yeah. them up as interesting characters. And I feel like the media actively profits and gains from these characters and these stories, but also at the same time gets the luxury of assuming a moral position where it's like, oh, I'm going to profit from all of this, from all this pain and, and and hardship and whatever losses were had from both sides. But I get to be like morally superior and pass judgment on all of the characters while simultaneously maintaining this position where it's like, oh, I'm just bringing a story to the public. Like, oh, I'm yeah. just, you know, showing this. I'm just telling this. This happened. I had nothing to do with this. I'm just telling the story. While it's not like that at all, we're actively feeding these peoples. We're actually giving them fame. We're giving them a platform. And we're feeding into these systems as well. I don't know if yeah. that made any sense. But it it's did. It absolutely been- did. Yeah. No, you're, you're completely right. Like, people who do... <laughs> Doing journalism comes with a cost, right? Yeah. Great journalism, wonderful journalism, incredible journalism, responsible journalism. It can still come with a cost sometimes because just putting something to a platform yeah. is in itself uh, an act that will come with both good and bad things, no matter yeah. what. Like really kind of no matter what. Uh, you're, you're putting something into the light and the light is not always a pretty place in a yeah. fucked up and horrible culture. <laughs> like, right? Like it just isn't. Like it's it's... It will come with both good and bad things. It is sort of a tool, right? Um, and yeah, we, we always have the ability to walk away from a story. when it, If it's somebody's life story, you, yeah. no, you can't. That's right. your life. <laughs> exactly. Right? So, yeah. And when you put I, the narrative out there, it. you have no control over where it goes, right? And you can like assume yeah. the position of like, oh, that's not my responsibility. Like I can't control. I will right. put the story out there. It's not my place to determine what is done with it. And I've recently been thinking more and more about the responsibility of like where it goes. And I'm not saying like, Oh, we shouldn't report on this. Like, Oh, this, like Jennifer Pressler should never pursue this story. Like she's a journalist and she's actually a very good writer. And this is incredibly interesting. And a great movie was made of it. So like, no, I'm not saying that, but it's something that I feel like as uh, people who produce and consume this kind of content is also something that I feel like we should consider instead of just sitting here on our little high horses and being like oh <laughs> these are all terrible people oh i'm not i'm great i'm just watching those uh, yeah I, I mean i i have like a slight aversion to a lot of celebrity culture stuff just be- mm-hmm. because that's what a lot of it is playing into i'm not saying this specifically uh at all by any means but like a lot of like uh, you know who's on the cover of what doing what with who and like who yeah. looks good and like a lot of it is just like frankly, just like body shaming and that makes yeah, me very sad absolutely. and depressed about the world and, and things like that. So, and again, I'm not even saying that all celebrity journalism is in any way like bad if it's done responsibly. It's just, that is a whole ass industry and a whole ass yeah. part of our culture that is not easy to contend with. Like what people yeah. will do with a story once it's out there, even if you did everything responsibly, even if you did all your fact checking, even if you yeah. did everything the way you should do it, 
it could still be fucking miserable. There could still be consequences to it. So yeah, I mean, I guess if nothing else, that's a good reason to be careful and considerate and intentional with anything you do put out into the world as a journalist. For sure. Exactly. Yeah. So we're all part of the insatiable machine. Yeah. Media. media, Which is part of capitalism, which is part of, uh, that's all I had. It was that sound. That sound is uh, what it is. It's the capitalism. Sorry for the sound effects, Paul. <laughs> poor Paul. Our producer Paul's Paul. Cleaning this up is gonna be a thing. <laughs> Feel free to material. just insert whatever sound you want there, Paul. Exactly. We're giving you <laughs> the green light. Uh, Before we move on into our final segment, though, I did want to point out something that you put on your notes that I feel like deserves a bit of a spotlight, which is the smaller but still incredibly valuable uh, participations. Uh, We have Cardi B, who is absolutely amazing. In the few brief moments yeah. that she's in the movie. I think she's just one of those. Pe- That's why she became such a cultural phenomenon. I feel like there are some people in this world we just want to like look at. Like whatever it is that they're doing just seems interesting. <laughs> and Cardi oh, 100%. 100%. She's really talented. She's such a good performer. Yeah. Like, And she's so good here and so natural and so fun. Mm-hmm. Like her line. Of, so they're, they're teaching super briefly again this is why this movie is so fucking funny these performances are great but like there's a line where they're trying to teach destiny how to give a lap dance and she's sitting there she's like you look like you're taking a shit it's just very funny it's just like so natural and funny like that banter is hot it's so good i watched a reality show with her they were finding was finding like rappers and uh she was one of the judges with the ti and um (laughs) yeah I yep. used to be a TI yeah. fan. But again, that's we're going on several different avenues no, I, here. No, I'll I stop know. myself. But uh and the game. No, it wasn't the game. It was um Oh my god, I forgot his name. Okay, whatever. You look for it. Reality show rapper in Cardi B. She was a judge and she was <laughs> just like the most um endearing yeah. magnetic. She's great. Person. She's and so uh, good. Lizzo with her pasty yelling, motherfucking Usher is here. Usher, yes! bitch. <laughs> how so can good. you not love how can you not love yeah. and of course Usher Usher baby oh, Usher baby he's so he looks so good too I'm sorry I, I'm trying to oh, some some equality here I suppose it's just that he just he's so cute he's just so cute he just walks through and he's just got all this great energy and he's so cute and it's like my god how, how do you do it? How do you do look, it? How do you have this charisma? He's looked exactly the same for like 20 years. How? I know. I know. How, Usher? Give us your skincare routine. Oh, the people like, need he, it. He and Jennifer Lopez together in that scene yeah, are just uh, like, it's uh, just, that's... it's beautiful. They're both like, just inhumanly beautiful people. And she and has again, such fucking swagger to be like, what's your yeah. name? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And it's, again, millennial bitch catnip. Like, very much the looks, the bandage dresses, the whole, like, aesthetics, the visual references. The giant, the oversized bags, the (laughs) tiny bag and the the, the handbag. (sighs) Everything is just really built for people like me. And 
It's embarrassing. Yeah. I was the control group. I don't know. They probably just said a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a bunch of me's just responding to everything hysterically. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the participations, even those like the, those are very, very, uh, very good, very like well picked and also smart, like just cleverly put in there. Uh, before we move on, Chance the Rapper is the person uh, Gosh, who's also in the reality show. It was killing me. I had to. I'm one of those people. Like if I can't remember the name, I just have to check, or I'll just like think about it the rest of the day. Uh, but yes, Cardi B, Lizzo, everything just. I love all of them. I That's love so all good. of them. They're so good in this movie. They're beautiful. And Cardi B and Lizzo didn't like drug anyone that we know of. So we're allowed to. Right. They were inc- They were just dancing. They were just dancing. They did yeah. nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we're allowed to acritically support them. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's, unless you have anything else to add, Danielle, I think it's time to move on. What do you think? Oh, I think it's time to move on. I'm ready for shelf life. I'm ready. Ready for shelf life. Awesome. Let's do it. Shelf life. So shelf life, yes, you probably know at this point. Our dear listener is the final third and final segment of the show, which is when we go over briefly all the things that we just discussed. And we use that to deliberate and determine where this movie will stay in our delightful neighborhood video store. If it's going to go to the staff picks, if it's going to stay there in the middle aisle, which is totally cool, too. Still a sexy spot. We still love it. Or if it is going straight to our dumpster, which is a rare thing to happen. We're not people who like like just sending stuff there. But it happens. It has happened. Yeah. It's happened. It's happened. And it's about to happen again. Uh, But yeah, so we shall deliberate and decide together where we are going to place this particular cinematic masterpiece. Danielle. Yeah. How are you feeling about this? I think okay. and I could I could be okay with a high middle aisle, but I, I think it's got that special something. I think it can hang on our staff pick shelf. I really do Ooh. think it can. Mostly on the strength of those performances, but it's also like a clever, funny movie, even even sort of on top of that. Like again, I think a lot of the filmmaking actually really supports these beautiful performances. And J-Lo is a fucking queen. And an icon. And as much J-Lo as we can get up there, I'm happy with it. So, like, I could be okay either way. But I, like, if, if you're feeling it, I'm okay with a staff pick this week. I think Ooh. it could I think it could rock that shelf. You made it hard for me because I was I was thinking you are going to do middle aisle. So I was preparing myself for middle aisle. Sure, but now sure. that you, you've opened No, it's the- open. I think, it, I think the door's open for it. I think there's an argument there. For a staff. I don't, I, again, to me, it's just hard to look at it with unbiased eyes, because like I said, they were literally thinking of me when they made it. They were like, what is the other going to really enjoy? What is the thing that Fanon is going to enjoy from start to finish? And they made this movie because obviously the world revolves around me. Naturally, yes. as yes. we've established. Uh, <laughs> I just I, think, I think it's, it's fair. such a fun movie. Like, it's just interesting and and fun. And it has like 
a little bit of everything and JLo's performance truly is amazing. So honestly, I don't know. I'm feeling generous today. Why don't we put it like low staff picks? Let's do it. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. I honestly, I'm happy Easy. with it. I I'm happy it with us. this movie made me happy. Honestly, the world sucks. And this movie made me happy. <laughs> like, not a like, small it thing. doesn't have to be too hard sometimes, you know, like, we did the evaluation. We went all the way. And now I'm just telling you what my gut says. And like both the evaluation and the gut say this is a good choice. So Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it for us. I, I think yeah, we've had like too. a middle aisle streak that I'm glad to yes. break. I feel like we need to be a little ballsy. And like you said, and I think you really put it, uh, everything is sad and sucks. And if you have a thing that makes you happy for a couple of hours, embrace it. Enjoy yeah. it. Cherish it. J-Lo made me happy for a couple of hours here. Like, honestly, she brought me a little bit of joy. Amazing. And uh, that's not nothing. That's something. <laughs> Amazing. So that's it. Hustlers gets a staff, a surprise. Woo! Staff picks placement. Thanks in no small part to Jennifer Lopez, who deserved at least an Oscar nomination for this and did not Absolutely. get it. Absolutely. And we shall forever riot. Just, I think yep. we finally, we did it, Danielle. We got yep. justice for J-Lo. We J-Lo's finally did. On our audition. podcast, we got justice for her. <laughs> Amazing. I guess that's it. That saddles it. That is all for this week. That is all for the very first, uh, the debut episode of this month. Oscar, I don't know her. Uh, Thank you, my (laughs) co-host, my amazing co-host, Danielle, for joining me. Thank you at home for listening. Thank you to our producer, Paul. Do you accept Usher Bucks to Mayo, a big Usher fan? (laughs) as we found out today for all the help in making this show not only not suck, but also kind of rule. We hope you come back to our friendly neighborhood video store next week. And we actually have a special surprise for you this month. We are picking three of this month's movies, but we will need your help to pick the final one. Pick the closing movie of this. So we will be taking submissions for the month's last pick until the 16th. And you can do that either via our Discord channel or via email at podcasts, plural, at fanbyte.com with the subject line, you love to see it, the acronym, Y-L-T-S-I. You love to see it. And you can suggest a movie that, again, fits the following criteria that has, that features a performer, an actress, actor, actress, non-binary actor, uh, whomever, who you feel has been snubbed by the Oscars and deserved a little more love. So do that. Go vote. Help us out. If you'd like to show us some support uh, beyond that, you can do that by rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, whichever podcast app you use. We'd love to see some love there. It really goes a long way. You can also just spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your family who love movies about the show. And that also does a really goes a long way toward uh, toward supporting us. Until then, you can join a movie club. You can go come by fanbyte.casa, 
join the You Love to See It channel where we are always having very, very interesting discussions and polls and much more. We always want to hear from you. So it's a pleasure to have you all there. You can follow us on all social media. We're on uh, Twitter at Fanbyte Media. We are on Instagram at Fanbyte. We're on TikTok at Fanbyte. And of course, we are on Fanbyte.com. You can find me on Twitter at Nanda Prates underscore. That's N-A-N-D-A-P-R-A-T-E-S underscore. And on Instagram at just Nanda Prates without the underscore. Danielle, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Danielle R-I. You can find Paul at, also on Twitter at Paul Mayo. And you can watch our streams on Twitch. Basically, we're everywhere. You have no problem finding <laughs> us at any point of the day or night. And that is all for this week. See you all again next Monday. And until then, you love to see it.